Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text, we're looking at all three lessons today. You may be seated. We all know people, and we know that some of them are just hard to read. You never know what you're going to get. One minute you're talking to them, and they're surly, they're grouchy, you don't want to have anything to do with them. And the next few hours or day, they're the happiest people you know, and you love to be around them. You just don't know what you're going to get. And so you start every conversation carefully, wondering who you're talking to, Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. Well, sometimes we think about God that way. Sometimes we think about him as if he were like us. When we pray to him, we wonder, well, is he angry today? Or is he in a merciful mood? Is he in the mood to answer prayers, or should we keep our distance? Now, such thinking is wrong-headed, but we still at times do just that. So we want to look at our lessons today, what they say about God. In the Old Testament, we read that the people spoke against God and against Moses, and the Lord sent fiery serpents, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. And then in our epistle lesson, we are told we're dead in trespasses and sins. We're sons of disobedience. We're by nature children of wrath. Now, when we hear these things, this is not the God we want to deal with. He promises to punish sin, and he means it. He declares us disobedient, breaking his, all his commandments. And we are born into this world under his wrath and anger. And we can't argue with it because that's the way it is. We are indeed constant grumblers about how our lives are going and how we don't like what God has done or given us or not given us. We are disobedient and transgress His commandments from a failure to trust in Him to bad language to hurtful thoughts, lustful thoughts, and much, much more. We are disobedient and deserve nothing from Him but His anger and His punishment. But here's the remarkable thing, and the thing we have to keep in mind. This is not the work God wants to do. Never was, never will be. 
He did not create us to pour out his anger and punishment on us. His goal, his desire, was that we would walk with him in the garden face to face in a loving relationship forever. But when Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, then, then God, because of who he is, a holy and just God, was forced to punish sin. We forced his hand. His anger, his wrath, his threats, his punishment. It's not what he wants to do. But we forced his hand. It's not his fault. It's ours. So what does God want to do? What are the works that he wants to do? We look at the same passages. There's an old prayer that starts, O Lord, who even in thy wrath thinks upon mercy. Even in wrath thinks upon mercy. That's exactly what he did with the children of Israel. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He led them in the wilderness. He gave them food morning and evening. He provided water for them. He protected them. Their feet did not swell and their shoes did not wear out, the scriptures say. But they grumbled. And so God sent the serpents to bite them and many died. But... He was still thinking on mercy because he told Moses to make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and whoever looked at that serpent on that pole would live. He rescued them from his own wrath. And this would foreshadow even a greater rescue that was coming. So even though we destroyed his creation and brought in corruption and sin and death, he was thinking on mercy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He was thinking on mercy. He wanted us to be his own. Children of God, not children of wrath. And so he gave us what he loved the most, his own son. And his own son went to the cross... And there was the beatings and the suffering and the humiliation and the crucifixion and even death because God was thinking on mercy. Look at the cross and you will see the heart 
of God. He always provides a way of rescue. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You see, God didn't want to punish us. God wants to pour out his love on us. He loves us more than you can imagine. Pour out his forgiveness on us. So he provided a way of escape from sin. A way of escape from the guilt and the shame of sin. A way of escape from the old serpent's deadly bite. And a way of escape from what scares us the most, death itself. He provided the antidote. It was the shed blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. This is the work that God wants to do. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So God gave us His Son, His Son on a cross. And so nothing would depend on us because we'd foul it up. He even works the faith in our hearts. So we can cling to Him Cling to our Savior and have the love that God wants to pour out on us. So look to the Son. Look to the Son hanging on the cross. Know the love and forgiveness of God. You know who you're dealing with. Look at the cross, and you will see the heart of God. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We continue with the singing of the hymn of response.